Tillman Baptist Church again. Uh, I, I have just told Brother Gina just a second ago, I told him, I said, I've just been feasting on last night. If you were here last night, you know what I'm talking about. Just the sweet presence of God. Uh, even on my way home, I was just by myself and uh, just going home and just thinking about the words that was spoke into our life. Uh, we can take that and hide it into our heart. And I know that uh, the good thing about it is it's not over. It's not over yet. I believe better things are coming Monday night, tonight, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Um, I'm just expecting greater things because that's what God really is. He'll show us who he is, and then it just gets better and better from there. Uh, so I'm expecting great things. If you wasn't here last night, you can feel like that when you leave here tonight too, and I hope that you do. Um, uh, at this time, we're going to stand and go to the Lord and worship right now. Uh, page 136 in your hymnals. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? the 
may be seated. Uh, I have just been thinking all day about kind of what to sing. And so um, what I've been feeling today is just singing a little bit about heaven. Uh, the first song I'm going to sing is not really about heaven, but about uh, where I was before God found me. And I think I sang this last year, but it is an upbeat song, and I love it. I like to start church off with a little bit, and uh, so I hope this blesses somebody here tonight. Uh, it's a song called, He Came Looking for Me, and I'm truly tonight so glad that he did. that he did. 
Uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed to tell you that I hadn't always been right where I'm supposed to be in God. But we serve a, a God that has so much grace and so much mercy, and it's for his people. And so I'm so glad about that. Um, this next song, I, I'm pulling all these ones on y'all this week, but it's just what I feel. I've only sang this song one time, and uh, I had the notes in front of me, and I don't tonight, but I feel it on my heart. And so... Uh, it's just kind of talks it when I when I think about the words of this song and as I'm singing it just listen to the words and uh, I believe it'll be a little familiar to you about what we're going through uh, in 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 this world today uh, but the good thing about it is this world is not our home we're just a passing through uh, so so heaven is sounding greater every day There are moments in this life When it's hard to carry on When I think about my father And all the loved ones that are gone Friends and close relations Somewhere on the other side They've into forever but the love has never died sometimes this tired old world starts bringing my heart down but you've got to bear the cross if you want to wear the crown I often get impatient as Father, time keeps dragging on But I've waded through the darkness Now I'm ready for the dawn I'm ready for the dawn I want to see Treasure where my heart is and 
forget about the past and if Jesus comes tomorrow I'll be ready to depart as he leads me to my mansion I'll be following my heart I'll be following my heart I wanna see heaven where the faithful carry on I wanna see verse again as I read the morning paper it hits me once again that I'm surrounded by the evil of a world that's dead in sin and the only sane conclusion that my crazy mind can reach is to sit treasure where my heart is and forget about my past and if Jesus comes tomorrow I'll be ready to depart because he'll lead me to my mansion I'll be following my heart I'll be This next song just kind of goes right with uh, that same message and it just says I'm going to a city where there be no more night I'm going to a city where Jesus is the light the trumpet's gonna sound and 
bless somebody tonight, but uh, I'll tell you that being Christians, us as Christians, uh, first I'll tell you all my life when the pastor would say, I'm going to be preaching on the end times, I would, I would beg to work the Sunday school. When I got old enough to know about it, I'd be like, can I just work the Sunday school? Can I go be with the kids? Can I do something? I'll go cook in the back with the ladies. Just don't let me have to hear that because I was so scared. Of, of the end times and the coming of the Lord. Uh, and so if you're a kid here tonight and you hear about the coming of the Lord, it may be a little scary. Uh, but as you get older and you learn more about God and you dive into his word, uh, it's nothing to be afraid of. The coming of the Lord is, is awesome for us as believers. For people who don't know God, it can be scary. It can be a scary thought and a scary message to hear, Brother Gene. Uh, and, and I've come to realize that. I'm only 31 years old. It was in my 20s when I, when I finally got uh, uh, eased listen to, listening to the end time message. Uh, but I, I do know that God said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if, if we believe in him and, and we're saved here on this earth, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is gone to make heaven for us. And the good thing about it also is that it's not just for Pentecostals. It's not just for Baptists. It's not just for Methodists and all the other. But it's for the body of Christ. He made heaven for you. He made heaven for me. And I'm looking forward to it. 
I am, and I'm also looking forward to it be there, being there with you guys. And, uh, you know, if we can't get along down here, I think I said this last year, but if we can't get along down here and come together and worship God here, how are we going to do that there? Uh, so I, I'm excited to be here and be a part of this revival. Um, I'm going to sing a song next that's just called There's Never a Time That God Has Not Been Faithful. Uh, so I hope this blesses somebody. from the battle you're fighting does it seem that the storm just won't break is there a mountain in front of you you doubt will ever move you wonder will God make a way tell me a time he's not been
blessing our heart tonight. Amen? Amen. I want to tell you, it's, it's a joy to be with you tonight and be able to open up God's Word. Uh, there's not a thing that I'd love to do more than to open up the Word of God and be able to share it. Uh, over the years, uh, these last two and a half years, when I left Highland Baptist Church in Laurel, Mississippi, and Brent and I began the venture to follow God and do what He's called us to do, uh, it just never ceases to amaze me of the opportunity we have to serve a wonderful and mighty God. Uh, you know, I, I'm tonight, as, as uh, Brother Anthony was singing, and those promises and the faithfulness of God, uh, I am reminded that when we're going through those dark days of our lives, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we've got to turn on the headlights of faith. Sometimes we have to pray, as I have prayed before, as a man in the Word of God says, God, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. When you don't see things moving in the direction you hope they would move, God's still at work. Remember that when Jesus was on the cross, everything stood still, God was still at work. And when they placed him in the tomb and the religious crowd said, well, that's over with. Let's go home, eat some supper. Third day he arose from the grave. God's faithful. And that God's faithful for you and is faithful for me. And tonight as I sat there for the first time to hold my wife's hand, after all that we've been through, I thank you, God. I tell you, when you hear the report going on the ventilator, you hear the report the kidneys are not functioning, when you hear the report the lungs are not getting better, when you hear the report we're going to have to put a chest tube in, when you hear the report day after day, all of a sudden you find yourself crying out to God like never before. And I didn't know what the day would bring, but I thank God that my precious wife is by my side. That's our God. But if he had not been here by my side, I would still be here preaching this word because I know in her faith in Jesus Christ to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. We're only a pilgrim passing through. We're a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow. Heaven is our home. That's our destination. And the longer I live in this old stinking world, the more I long for the coming home to be with Jesus. Because this world's not getting better. It's getting worse. And we must understand that we are the children of God. Tonight, I want to just preach a message, pretty simple message, from a text. Three things I want you to see from God's Word. The word Christian, we use that word so loosely. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? But you know the word Christian that is used so loosely in our society? You know the Bible only shows the Word of God three times? The word Christian is only found three times in the Word of God. And tonight, I want us to look at those words and find out what a Christian. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, All that call me Lord, Lord, not going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but he doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Just because a person saying I'm going to heaven don't mean they're going to heaven. I want to tell you something. It's almost like you go. I remember years ago when my boys were little, they were, used, they were raised up in the church, and we'd have these dinner on the grounds and all that food scattered out through there, and they'd go pick and choose what they wanted. Well, we went up to the Piccadilly, and I think they're almost extinct now, but we took them to the Piccadilly one time. They'd never been there. They saw all that food. They thought they were at the Baptist church. All you could eat buffet, and they'd pick a little of this, pick a that. Somebody knew me was talking to me. I wasn't paying attention. Calling me $33 way back then to get them out of that place. 
I'm afraid what happens is, is that we pick a bit a little bit of God's word here and we'll take it. And we're going to ignore God's word here because it violates our life and what we want to do. I want to tell you something. When you want to get right with God, you're not going to see how close you can get to sin. You're going to see how far you can get from sin because the only way to get to a sinless God is by His word. You see, the Bible says that all that call me Lord, Lord is not going to even the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says you'll know them by the fruit they bear. I am telling you, we live in a society today that right here in Lincoln County, I know I pastored at New Prospect years ago. I know Lincoln County. I preached to many revivals in Lincoln County. The vast majority of people tell you they are a Christian. But just because they say they are a Christian does not mean they are a Christian according to the Word of God. Because God's Word is truth. Jesus said you'll know them by the fruit they bear. When the Holy Spirit of the living God is inside of you, you will operate under the authority of the Word of God. And you will desire to be in the will of God more than you desire your own will. That's what happens when you become a child of God. The Bible says you become light in the midst of darkness. People say all the time, say, Brother Gene, it's darker than it's ever been before. It's so dark, our society, all that we're going in, our downward spiral, the moral decay of our nation. It's a downward spiral. It's a bad situation. But you know what? The darker it gets, the brighter the children of God ought to be. You, I remember over in Mitt County, Brent and I had a metal building over there when I was in evangelism, and when we built our metal building of 42 by 60 and had some concrete left over, and the guy said on the truck, said, where are you going to dump this concrete? I knew how much I paid for that concrete. I said, well, you're not dumping that concrete nowhere. I said, until I build a form, and I went out there and built a little old form real quick, and, and we poured that concrete, and I smoothed it out. And that's where Brent and I, when I would come in from revivals, would sit out there and drink community dark roast coffee in our rocking chairs, looking down over the uh, Meat River, down to the Meat River. And we were up on a little bit of a hill. And we were sitting there, and one of them days we were getting along real good. You know what I'm talking about? We were getting along real good. And, and we, were, we were sitting there drinking that community dark roast coffee, and it got dark, and there was no moon, and there was no stars. I mean, it was just pitch black. And all of a sudden, in the vastness of that atmosphere, one lightning bug lit up and I could see it way down from a distance when you who claim to be a child of God filled with the spirit of God working in accordance to the word of God that you may be in the center of God's will when you walk into a place the atmosphere is about to change because the presence of God is coming with you and we must understand that how we live our lives it matters. It matters to God. So tonight, I want us to look at what is a Christian. Now sometimes we just need to know for sure that we're saved and we're truly a Christian, but there's other times we've got to remind ourselves that we are, that we be, never lose sight of the fire that ought to be burning inside of our bones. Uh, Sunday I did something, let's just do it right now. Some of you were not here, others you ought to got practice already. You know, we, we watch the ball games and they're filled to capacity with people and they're screaming their heads off over an oblong ball going 100 yards up and down the field, right? So what we're going to do tonight, if you know Jesus, on three, we're going to shout out the name Jesus. You ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Woo! Something about that name. Amen? Amen? I want to tell you something tonight. We're not on the defeated team. We're on the winning team. 
We're, we're not fighting for victory. We already got victory. Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and he died. And he cried out, it is finished. He said, Leviticus priest, go put up your knives. No more need of an animal sacrifice. The Lamb of God has been slain. They placed him in a borrowed tomb. No sense having anything if you don't keep it very long. And on the third day, he arose from a grave. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior. And if he is alive, we ought to be alive. And so tonight as we come together, we need to make sure that we get my, have the fire back in our bones and a passion back in our heart that we have truly been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You know, when I was living down in South Louisiana, Brennan and I, we had two boys. They were both still small at home. And we had a little process back then. We'd get up, Brennan would go, back then we ironed clothes. We didn't know anything about throwing them in a dryer, let them get kind of unwrinkled. And so she would iron the clothes, I'd get the boys up, I'd get the stuff ready to, to be able to uh, cook them up a little something to eat, and then we'll have a Bible study there at the table. I'll never forget one morning we woke up, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden, I'm going to give myself just a little bit of air. You, girl, you ladies are too good of a cook, I need just a little bit of air. Uh, and so anyway, we got up, and, and all of a sudden, Brenda walked by me and she kissed me. And it felt like a wet rag touched my lips. Didn't do nothing for her. Didn't do nothing for me. I said, is this what our marriage has got to? That's it? Now, Brenda don't like anything hot. No spicy food whatsoever. I had some French settlement, birth a lot, red pepper. Son, it would set your soul on fire. I went in there, I rubbed me a little of that red pepper on my lips. I walked back over there and I gave her another kiss. And all of a sudden, this time, I didn't get the same response. She started hollering, Woo! And went running for the sink. And she got over in the sink. She was throwing water up on her lips. And, and the water was dripping off her hair. And her eyes had the same look they had when she was giving birth to our children. And she got her composure and said, Gene Douglas, you won't get another kiss for a month. And I said, Sister, you won't ever forget that kiss. You know, the thing about it tonight is if you've truly come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you should not just be going through the motion. The passion must be there. It, be there, it, be, it will be there as you read the Word of God and the Spirit of God illuminates the Word of God and it becomes alive inside of you and you become a light in the midst of darkness. Tonight I want us to see three things from the Word of God about what it is to be a Christian. The Bible says to us in Acts 26, and you can underline it from God's Word. In Acts 26. In Acts chapter 26, we see in verse 27 and 28. Now let me give you a little bit of a background. We see that Paul has come to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's not always been the case. Matter of fact, we see in chapter 26, it says, I... It says in verse uh, 9, look what it says in 26 verse 9. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This is what Paul is saying. This I also did in Jerusalem. Many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. It says, and being exceedingly enraged, Against them, I persecuted them, even to the foreign cities. 
Paul not always been a believer. He'd been religious. He thought his religion was a dominant religion, that he would be persecuting anything that came contrary to his religion. But Jesus Christ, we knew from the Old Testament the Messiah was coming. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that he'd be led as a lamb to the slaughter. The Bible tells us from the Word of God there was coming the Messiah, and yet they did not see it. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. And yet we see here that this religious man came to know Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. And was his life changed? And so the Bible says here that he once was that man that persecuted Christians. But look what it says in verse 26 and following. And the king before you I speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape the attention uh, since these, this, thing, uh, this thing was not done in, cor- in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. And Agrippa said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Underline the word Christian. A Christian, number one, is a choice. It's a choice. You have a choice to receive Christ or reject Christ. And we see here that Paul is here and he's on trial now because he's a Christian. Those people that rallied around him when he was religious, they were egging him on. They would encourage him. Go get him, boy. Go get him, boy. But on the way, he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. And the Bible said his life was totally changed. Now he comes face to face with those who sent him out and said, I want to tell you, we were wrong. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I met Him on the Damascus Road. And He has transformed my life. I once was blind, but now I see. And now the Spirit of God lives inside of me. And the Word of God is alive in me because Jesus Christ is the Word. Because in the beginning was the Word, and we're with God, and the Word was God. The Bible says here in the Word of God that here He is before King Agrippa. He's on trial because the Jews wanted him dead. They were hounding him time and year after year after year, wanting his life snuffed out. And yet we see here that when Paul is there before the king, instead of pleading for his life, he began to share the one who gave him life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says to King Agrippa, he says, I know that what I'm telling you, you know you've been listening to what's going on in our, in our area, in the regions. You know what took place in Jesus. You know that the claim of the resurrection, you know the transformation of those born-again believers and the impact they're making on society. I bear witness that Jesus Christ is my Savior and that He is alive. And so the Bible says here in the Word of God, He says here, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believed. Paul was convinced that King Agrippa believed what he was saying. But is it enough just to believe what has been spoken? Many people say, I believe that there is a God. I believe that God has a son. His name is Jesus. I believe that that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. But just to believe is not enough. Look what happens. It says right here in the Word of God. And Agrippa said to him, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. To be almost a Christian is to be altogether lost. The Bible said here, not only was he convinced, King Agrippa, but he was convicted. He said, almost you persuade me. 
Too many people I met in the course of ministry through these 37 years of ministry have come to that point where they begin to believe the Word of God is true. They begin to believe that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. And they even know they need to be saved. But they only come to that point where they are come to that point where they are convinced and convicted, but nothing changes until you become converted. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But not a one of us have a right to stand in the presence of the Holy God. I don't care how arrogant you are, how good you may think, none of us have a right to stand in the presence of the Holy God. But God loved us in it while we were yet sinners that He gave His Son Jesus Christ to die for us. And the Bible says here in the Word of God, look what it says here, and Paul says, I would to God, then verse 29, that not only you, but also all who hear me today might be, might be both almost and altogether such as I am, except for the change. He said, I, I want you to be converted. I want you to experience salvation in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here that they turned and they walked away. Look what it says here. When he had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor Bernice, Bernice, Bernice and it says, and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, this man is doing, doing nothing that deserve, deserving of death or change. There was no conversion. You may have been raised in church all your life. You may have came to church, even in your mother's womb, you may have come to church. Nine months before you even got here, you was in the house of God. But I want to tell you something. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. You must be born again. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's your choice. Now I want to tell you something. I know back in the years when I was growing up in New Hebrew Baptist Church, I remember the evangelists come to town. And boy, they always had the hot dog night for the children. Y'all remember that? Hot, hot dogs. And man, it was back there and the evangelists would be back there. And it's almost as if everybody wanting a hot dog and Jesus raise your hand. Am I telling the truth? And all of a sudden we find people saying, I, I, want, a, I want a hot dog, either want Jesus. And they raise their hand, they'd be baptized. I want to tell you something. There's many a person who's made a decision, but they've never been converted. And you know how you're converted? It's not by what you know. It's not even by what you do. The Bible says we're converted by Romans 8.16 is when God's Spirit, bear with my spirit, that I'm a child of God. How do you know you're saved? The Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. He begins to dwell inside of you. He begins to tutor you from the truth of God's Word, puts value in the house of God, and makes Jesus Christ a priority. That's the reason Jesus says in the Word of God, if any man come after me, Luke 9, 23, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You see, when we look at the Word of God, a Christian is someone who's made a choice. Have you made a choice tonight to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is your salvation just based on the fact you have a baptism certificate, have a church membership? Your salvation ought to be based on the fact that the Spirit of the living God lives inside of you. That you desire the Word of God. Or you may step away, you may make mistakes, we all do. But I want to tell you something, when you as a child of God step outside the rim of God's will, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that God will chastise you to bring you back where you need to be. Is that true? If you're able to live your life outside the rim of God's will, not according to God's word, and there's not any consequences of God's Spirit convicting you and drawing you to your knees in brokenness, 
and getting your attention, something's wrong. When I was at New Prospect, we had a baseball field behind us. We had a tennis court on beside us. And boy, my boys would play. And, and you know, I remember a time when I planted a little garden there and had some butter beans. And, 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 and when you're obese, you don't like bending over to get butter beans, but you got to get butter beans anyway. So you got to take a deep breath like you're going underwater, get a few butter beans, come back up, get some more air. You know what I'm talking about? And so in the process of doing that, I, and I was, let's just say that my boys were there, and they've got that baseball field, a tennis court, another open area right here. And my boys said, Daddy, can some friends come over and play ball? I said, absolutely. But don't you get over to my butter bean patch. You get over to my butter bean patch, I'm going to tell you something. I, I grew up in a time when there wasn't child abuse. Well, there was no such thing as time out. Time out's what my daddy did. Took time out of his busy day to beat the fire out of me. That was time out. I said, you get over in that button, get a butter bean patch in that, in that garden, I'm going to get you. I come back, I go out and visit, and all the boys come over and play, and they're not in, in the baseball field. They're not on the tennis court. They're not in the big field beside there. They're in my butter bean patch playing football. Now, and I want to ask you something. Of all those boys there, how many boys am I actually going to be able to take care of? Two. Why? Because they knew they were not supposed to be in that butterbean patch. Is that right? The other ones didn't know it. So the rest of them are going home. Two of them are going to be dealt with. Is that the way God deals with us? The Bible says if you're able to go through your life outside the realm of God's will without the chastisement of God, you're not even part of the family of God because God only chastises His children. So the Bible said that a Christian is someone who makes a choice. I want you to see something else from God's Word. A Christian in Acts chapter 11. In Acts chapter 11, verse 21 and following. And the hand of the Lord was with him, them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. In Acts chapter 11, verse 21. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in, in Jerusalem and sent out Barabbas and, and to go as far as Antioch. And when he had came and when he came and, 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 and seeing the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged with them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. And he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the church. And it talked about the fact that uh, Barabbas, it said, uh, departed to Taurus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, it said he brought him to Antioch, so it was there that a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. A Christian is not only someone who makes a choice, a Christian is someone who has been changed. There's a difference inside of you. You once lived by the rim of the flesh, you operated by the ways of the world, but now you live on the rim of the Spirit of God and you operate in accordance to the Word of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The Bible says in Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When you've been born again, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you and it creates a change within you. And somehow people say, I come a Christian, and they care nothing about the house of God. They never open up the Word of God. They bear no fruit that resembles the Spirit of God, and yet we give them a free pass as if it's okay. 
I am telling you today that a Christian, you ought to know who they are. One of the things I think today is the saddest thing I know is that we're begging church folk to come to church. But the problem is they're church folk, not born-again believers. You see, we've got to understand that, that the Spirit of God has to come and live inside of us. I witness to people and they say, well, I'm going to heaven. I say, based on what? If we take the Word of God, Jesus said in, in, in the Word of God, it tells us there uh, uh, so plainly that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man go to the Father but by, but by me. There's only one way of salvation. It's by Jesus. I am the way. Without me, there's no going. I'm the way, the truth. Without me, there's no knowing. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Without me, there's no living. Jesus Christ has to be inside of you. His Spirit verifies your salvation. And your desire is no longer your, your will, but His will. And your authority is not the world, but the Word of God. And you find yourself being in the midst of a light of a dark generation. But by George, they know where you're standing. And they know who you are. And they see the Spirit of God upon you. And in dark days, those people that laugh at you and mock you, when they hit hard, difficult times, they're going to come running, hunting for you. Because you're different than the world around them. There's a Spirit inside of you. There's a Word of God that's fresh on your lips. There's a prayer as you seek the face of God and, and, and pour out your heart to Him. A Christian is someone who's made a choice. A Christian is someone who's been changed. Now, can we make mistakes? Absolutely. But you know what 1 John 1, 9 says? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When I was at New Hebron, I know you're going to have this hard to believe, but when I was at New Hebron, I thought when I went to school, I'd probably just wind up being like a clown or something. That's what I thought I'd be, a clown or something. Have, have my own TV show as just a crazy guy. I drove my teachers nuts. Well, you know what happened? Because of my stupidity and, and, and poor uh, uh, job choices, <laughs> is that when everybody else got to go out for recess, I got to stay behind and go down and get the gallon peach can and fill it with water in the boys' bathroom. And remember what happened on the chalkboard? Now, some of you young folks may have to Google chalkboard. But you remember the chalkboard? You would write on the chalkboard through the course of the day, and you would use the erasers, and the erasers would cake up with dust, and you would write the letters and the numbers, because we stayed in the same room at that time, and the letters and the numbers are all over the board. And by the end of the day, sometimes you would erase it, but you could see, still see the etchings of the letters and the numbers. Y'all remember that? Well, my job, because I was the best blackboard chalkboard washer there was out there, I went in out there and got me a can, and I get that sponge, and when I got through washing that, you could, you could just, it was nothing but just the board again. I want to tell you something. We forgive one another oftentimes like a dirty chalkboard. We'll forgive you, but the etching stays in our mind. But when Jesus forgives you, he doesn't take water. He takes his blood, and when he washes it, it is gone. It is no more. He, you are set free. You are forgiven. Satan can't bar you and destroy you and shame you anymore. When you confess your sin to God, when I confess my sin to God, it 
says in the word of God that if I will confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. We come sometimes with burdens. And what does the Bible say about our prayer life? The prayer of a righteous man does what? Availeth much. If we're going to come to a holy God, we must come with clean hands and a pure heart. We've got to live a changed life. You know what the biggest problem is today that I have discovered in many places that I've been, no matter if it's Mississippi or wherever I'm preaching the gospel? Too many people in the community have met too many church folks who believe there's something they're really not. Because there's no evidence that lines up with the Word of God. If you're a child of God, your life has got to line up with the Word of God. Amen? And there's too many people out there, and they meet him. I had a guy come and did some work on our camper, and, and, and I had a, he put a little, another topping on it, and a, 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 a sealer on top of the camper, and, and I was talking to him, and, and he says, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy into this religion stuff. He said, I'd have met too many people along the way that pretended to be something in public, and then in private, there'd be something totally different. Well, let me tell you something. We will all stand before God and give an account of our lives. And I pray to God that I have not been guilty of pushing somebody away from the Lord Jesus Christ or, 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 or giving the shame in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I will live my life in such a way that it would draw people to Jesus. And if you're going to do that, you've got to live it according to the Word of God, not by the ways of the world. So a Christian is someone who's made a choice. A Christian is someone who's been changed Christ-like. They were changed. They're like Christians, Christos, Christ-like. And so I ask you tonight, does your life reflect that of Jesus? And I want to tell you, if there's ever been a time we need children of God, it's tend to be children of God. It's tonight. It's right now. I want to tell you, well, let me get to the third point, because let's look one more time. A Christian. Christian is someone who's made a choice. Christian is someone who's been changed. Question, we, we see in then 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 16. Tonight, if life comes to an end tonight, do we have assurance that tonight my plans is to get in the car with my precious wife and we're going to drive back to Soso, Mississippi. I had to get somewhere where I could spell it so I knew if I got the first two letters, I can get the next two letters. So we're going to Soso, Mississippi, about an hour, 30 minutes from here. Do I have any assurance that I'm going to make it? Do people die in car accidents every day? But do I act as if I'm going to make it? Do you act as if you're going to make it? But do we really know? You say, man, that's kind of some hard stuff there, Brother Gene. Let me tell you something. I'd rather for it to be hard stuff and you make a decision to receive Christ than not receive Christ and something happens and you spend eternity separated from God. Today's a day of salvation. Christian is someone who's made a choice. If you're here today and you say, well, I was a teenager, but it really didn't change my life. Dear friend, I said, when Jesus comes into your life, He's going to change your life. Spirit of God moves in. You can't be the same person you used to be. You may veer off course, but He's going to get your attention. He's going to bring you back because He loves you. 
People tell me and say, Brother Gene, if God was God of love, He really wouldn't chastise His children. Let me tell you something. I got grand youngins. Some of them are on up and 18 years old, and I got one that's three years old. That three-year-old is wild, wild, wild. I'm telling you, when she comes, uh, uh, you know, the daddy calls sometimes, y'all want to keep Remy? We just hang the phone up. Wrong number. This girl's wild, wild. And, and if she is here, and, and the door is open, and she runs out to that road, I'm going to run out there and get her. I'm going to make her look at me in the eye, and I'm going to say, Remy, you go back out to that road, I'm going to tan your little hide. Now, I love that little girl, and that little girl loves me. She'll pass by me, Mom. She'll pass by her parents and come to Peepaw. And she'll give me the biggest old hug. I love that little girl. But if she runs out that road a second time, I'm going to whoop her. You know why? I love her too much to be run over by a car. God loves you too much to be run over and destroyed by sin. And when you are living in your sin, you're misrepresenting who He is. And that's not right. So let's look tonight at the last one that we have. What is a Christian? Someone who's made a choice. Someone who's been changed. But look what it says in verse 16. If, if, yet if anyone suffers at a Christian, as a Christian, whoa, 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 suffer? We, we live in this age that these evangelists on TV tell you that if you send them enough money, you won't have to worry about your finances, and you won't have to worry about being sick, and you won't have to worry about nothing. What do you do with Jesus when he says in John 16, it says, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. The Christian life, as I said the other day, is not a playground, it's a battleground. And when you make a choice to receive Christ and the Spirit of God comes into your life and the Word of God becomes the authority more than the word it, world itself and you begin to operate in the realm of the Spirit and not the flesh, you are going to understand that people are not going to like you all the time. Look what it says. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, let him glory, glorify God in this matter. And this time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. If it begins with us first, what will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? You see, tonight, a Christian is not only someone who made a choice, someone who's been changed, but a Christian is someone who accepts the challenge. You'll be okay, but this is the problem today. If God's word is truth, is it truth? And if, if, if sin is sin, listen to me now, it doesn't matter if it's in somebody else's family or your family, it's still sin. Our biggest problem is people believe that the Word of God says that is sin until that sin gets into their family and they ignore it as sin. I don't care if you ignore it, it is still sin. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 1 that, that they've come to worship the creature more than the Creator. We're living in an age today that I took anatomy when I was in high school and anatomy has not changed. There is, a, there is a man and there is a woman. There is a boy, there is a girl. 
and yet our society is brainwashing our children to believe there's alternative lifestyles. Even to say, to say that a boy with male hormones inside of him can compete against a girl in athletics. That just because you put on a dress, you can call yourself a woman. You stand against this group and people will persecute you today. But I want to tell you that we've got to stand up and quit letting the propaganda of the world and the lie of Satan take our children from us. They've got to know the truth and it's the truth that's going to set them free. It is your truth as a parent, as a mom and dad. It's the truth of grandma and grandpa that you make sure you teach them that even though on the TV screen, even commercials that put it blatantly before our eyes that this does not please God. And buddy, that'll get you persecuted today, won't it? Because everybody's got a family member that they had just gone that direction. And, but it's okay. It's not okay if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. We're living in age today where too many people want to see how close they can live to sin. You know, one of the biggest things that I, when I talk to young people, is they just say, Brother Gene, I, I just like to social drink a little bit. Well, some of that is because they've watched some of the people in the church social drink a little bit. But I want to tell you something. I pastor down at South Louisiana. I'm talking about South Louisiana. And I preached against it, and son, you think I won an Academy Award? No. But let me tell you something. If the Bible says you're to be filled with the Spirit of God, and you're to deny the flesh, is that right? Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, his flesh. Follow me? When you take substance into your body that alters your desire to no longer walk by the Spirit, but to walk by the flesh, that is not of God. And it is a poor representative of an individual who's trying to determine whether alcohol is okay or not okay. And it's a poor representative of somebody who, who was a drunkard and came to know Christ and was gloriously saved and didn't get around church folk who say it's okay just to do a little social drink. Down there in South Louisiana, I'm going to tell you something. Them guys tell me all the time, there wasn't a thing in the world wrong with their drink. I said, I'm going to tell you something. My wife right there loves Sprite. But I ain't never come home in an evening where she drank the six-pack before she went to bed. You see, nobody wants to hear preaching like that no more. Nobody wants to hear about the fact that if we're going to get right with God, then we've got to turn from the world before us and turn back to the Word of God. We've got to let go of our flesh and our fleshly desires and even our fleshly acceptance by the world and choose to follow Christ. Men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. And if you're walking in the light, when you walk into the place, the atmosphere is about to change. The reason we're not persecuted because we're not standing on the Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. I, my family has family unions and tell me about it two weeks after they have them. That'll bless you. Oh, we forgot to tell you about the family union. I know why they forgot to tell me about the family union. 
hey, Brother Gene, I get a call, one family union one time, so I said, hey, look, you know, so-and-so's been living with this guy, and they decide they get married. You reckon you can marry him the day of the family union? I said, no. I, I got in so much trouble through the years. Down in South Louisiana, you see, uh, in South Louisiana, if they were living together anywhere, when I pastored, if they lived together, I'm not marrying them. People say, well, Brother Gene, they want to make it right. They want to make it right? Separate from each other. Get before God and repent. And then date each other as God intended for you to do it, and then get married. Boy, I was down there, and all of a sudden, uh, the, uh, in the, in the, down there at the church, big old church, and they voted whether for every person whether they can get married or not. And we're down there. They knew where I stood because I told them before I got down there. All of a sudden, they hey, voted, and they, they took in. They said, you know what? They're living together, so I don't think we're going to vote for them to get mar- married here until they separate and repent, get things right with God. I didn't make that decision. They did. The next morning, Mama come up in there. And Mama was fit to be tied. She told me how many Dickens youngins walked that aisle, and they were expecting a baby. How many Dickens children walked down that aisle, and this and that. And I said, ma'am, I wasn't here then, but I'm here now. And this is the way we're going to do it. And then the girl come in, and boy, she was fit. Woo! I hadn't been talked to like that a long, long, long time. And I looked at her, and I said, I'm going to tell you what the difference between grace and law is. Law is you can't get married because you're living together with that guy. Grace is if you'll separate and repent of your sin, and you get separated and get it right with God and come back and get married, you can get married in this church. That's the grace of God. But people don't want the grace of God. They want their sin. And boy, you don't think I had a fun time down there? But I want to say to you, we, the reason we're not persecuted is because we're not taking stands. We're just letting people talk to us, and, and, and we've got to teach our children. My grandbabies come to my house. It's my job to teach them truth. I mean, just because it's a cartoon doesn't mean it honors God. Just because it's, it's some famous brand of, of, of uh, production doesn't mean it honors God. If I don't teach my children truth and my grandchildren, who's going to teach them the truth? Jesus said the truth will do what? And so I'm saying to you is, Christian is someone who accepts the challenge. The Bible says in Timothy that the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. You see what I'm saying to tonight is a Christian, even though the vast majority of people in Lincoln County says I'm a Christian, how many's lives reflect the fact they've truly been born again? How many have the Spirit of God inside of them that draws them to the house of God and desire, engages them in the Word of God that they desire to be in the will of God? And let me tell you something. You will never be in the will of God apart from the Word of God. And if there's one thing that needs to happen in our churches today is the people of God need to fall back into the word and love with the Word of God and let the Word of God give them directions in a world that is filled with darkness and lies and deception because the truth will set you free. So tonight, I know, this is one of them messages that people get, well, they leave, mm, he done hit something I don't like now. Well, I'm just telling you that you either leading somebody to Jesus or you leading somebody away from Jesus. 
Your reason they desire to want to know Jesus or your excuse why they don't need Jesus. And we need to wake up and understand if we're the children of God, we just be filled with the Spirit of God. We know we're a child of God and we're going to stick in the Word of God and we're going to desire the will of God and be a light in the midst of darkness despite what the world may think or say. You see, folks, I'm telling you that these are the last days, I believe. And if we don't stand, who's going to do it? Stop and think for just a minute. and We're just about finished. That early church, those early believers in the book of Acts, they were uneducated people, most of them. Matter of fact, we know that it says they were ignorant and unlearned men. But they had been with Jesus. Amen? And, and, and these men were uneducated. These men didn't have the financial pockets to do many things. These men didn't have the, the Darius translations of the Word of God. These men didn't have biblical helps. And yet these men turned the world upside down with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have more biblical helps in any generation, more translations of God's Word, more educated people, more people with finances than we've ever had, and we're doing less to advance the kingdom of God than any generation has ever done. Am I speaking truth tonight? If we want revival, let me close by saying this. Down in Louisiana where I was, where, now look, I'll tell you, when, they left, when I left, they loved me. They did. And down in Louisiana where I lived, Dad, this is the way they did. If they loved you, they would love you to death. But if they hate you, they wouldn't put water on you if you was on fire. But they love me because I love them. But I preach truth to them. I'm going to tell you, years ago I told a, told a group of pastors that I was preaching at a conference, I said, Brother Gene, we got, we're at new, new in the ministry, going to the pastor. Tell me, give us an idea how what we need to do in the pastor. And I said, love your people and preach the word. But over down at Highland Baptist Church, where we had some stuff we had to deal with, knowing when I got in, let me tell you something, God turned that around on me. Preach the Word, love your people. Can you love someone so much you won't tell them the truth? Brenda put something on and said, baby, did this make me look fat? Now what am I going to say? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Down there at Coyell, I invited a guy to come preach a revival. Now, he's one of them old-fashioned, he sh- boy, he shut corn. Good time of day. He, he brought, a, he brought a, a, just a, a truckload of corn. He shucked it, and then he made cornbread out of it. He's a preaching machine you've ever seen in your life. I had him come down. Boy, preachers were calling me and saying, well, how's it going with that man, that evangelist being down there preaching? How's it going? I said, boy, we're having decisions made left and right. They said, boy, that's great. I said, no, that's bad. Because the decision they're making is they ain't coming. That man's sucking the corn and nobody there to hear it. I got through with that revival. I'll never forget it. I got through with that revival. Man, I was so heartbroken. I was so ashamed of what happened and what didn't happen. I went to my office that day after that Thursday after revival. I put my Bible on my desk and I said, you know what, if these folks don't want revival, we won't have another revival. And all of a sudden, God got a hold of my heart.
She said, Gene, if nobody else wants revival, there's no reason why you can't have it. If you're waiting for everybody else to get it right with God, the first place it's got to start is with you. So I ask you tonight, has the Spirit of God spoke to your heart? If you, life comes to an end, are you going to go to enter the kingdom of heaven? You're not going to enter because of church membership. You're not going to be entered because you're a good person. You're not going to enter because you uh, have been baptized. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said in John, 14, John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. You must be born again. And tonight you can be born again. But, but listen, you cannot be saved till you know what you need to be saved from. The Bible says, imagine somebody calling 911. And they say to the bachelor, save me, save me, save me to this bachelor. From what? Is there a fire? Is there, is there a medical emergency? Is there, is there an accident? You've got to know what you need to be saved from before you can ever be saved. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you realize you're a sinner tonight? That's the first step. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wage of sin is death. What are you going to earn being a sinner? Death, eternal separation from God. The way you sin is dead, but, but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can receive the gift, but it's a gift that you can only open. You're the only one that can open that gift and receive Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Tonight, you can be saved if you're not saved. If all you got is a church membership, all you got is a baptism certificate when you were a teenager, but it hadn't changed your life, your attitude, and there's no spirit inside of you, you need Jesus Christ tonight as your Lord and Savior. You need to make the choice. And if you're saved, you ought to be changed. If there's things in your life that resembles more of the world than it does the Word, and you need to get it before God and confess and repent of sin and say, God, I'm sorry. I've allowed the world to pull me into the lies and deception. And God, I want to be set free, and I want to be turned to Your Word and walk in the freedom and the newness of life. Maybe tonight, you just need strength to stand. Because when you stand for truth, People are going to hate you. Because man loved darkness in John chapter 3, verse 19, rather than light, because the deeds are evil. This world we live in is getting darker. And they're persecuting people. And let me tell you, if it continues at the pace it's coming, it won't be long that the church, true believing church, and true believers will be persecuted by the world we live in. Because we're going to stand against things that I preached about tonight. I mean, you stop and think about it. We have murdered more babies than the days of Holocaust. And we want to claim one nation under God. You see, we're in desperate need. And yet we see the lies and deception around us. So tonight, if nobody wants it, do you want it? The altar is open. Brother Anthony's going to come. Brother Jeff's going to come. And tonight, what is God asking you to do? Ask you to stand. Heads about, eyes are closed. Brother Anthony begins to play. Tonight, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Tonight, as God convicted you to say, I want you to surrender all, not some. Tonight, if you say, Lord, I've just been going through this time where you've been dealing with me, chastising me, 
And God, I'm sorry. I need to repent. You come and repent of that sin. He'll cast that sin as far as east is from west. He is faithful and just to cleanse you of that sin and all unrighteousness. You come tonight. The altar is open. Or maybe tonight you just want to pray on behalf of a family member. Family member that's going different places from the Word of God. And because you're still in the Word of God, you find yourself being persecuted. Even sometimes ignored, excluded. Whatever God's laid in your heart, the altar is open. You come. Right now, you come. What has the Lord spoken to you tonight? Has He convicted you of being lost? he convicted you of not being as close with him as you need to be allowing sin allowing the world to take you away from him if that's the case if you're if you're lost this morning move, this, this evening move into the aisle come down here and all you have to do is say I need Savior. I need Jesus. When you do that, Jesus is waiting. Just like Brother Gene says, when you confess your sin, He is faithful and true and just. And He will forgive you of your sin. Maybe you hadn't accepted the challenge tonight to stand as a Christian. Men, have you accepted the challenge to stand up and be a godly man in the face of this world? stand before God no excuses he knows it's time for the church to stand up be the lighthouse to be the light in the darkness that we were called to be that we were saved to be because we are we will be held accountable for the name of Christ that we bear